0: DJ Thomas, and you're listening to Frequency Interrupted. Doctor Tom Siskron, how are you, sir? I'm good. How are you? Thanks for inviting me. Yes, sir. It's very nice to meet you. I've only known you a couple weeks now, but um, I know you're very well versed in a lot of things. Um, veteran, also, um, you also are really big in the CrossFit. Yeah. And then urologist as well. That's right. So, well, how did you get? Let's talk about this first before the health and fitness run. How did you get into urology?
1: Well, you know, I never wanted to be a doctor. I grew up with a dad who was a physician. He's a pathologist. And I have a lot of memories from my childhood going up to the hospital on the weekends when he would be doing frozen sections, which consists, for those who don't know, of cutting up body parts You know that you get through surgery cutting up thyroids, cutting up whatever, you know, cancers, looking at them under the microscope to diagnose diseases. That's what pathologists do. They also do autopsies and they, you know, when a a limb is amputated, it'll come down to the pathology lab and they have to do gross section on it. And I remember seeing these things, you know, and it just kind of grossed me out. I, you know, I didn't like blood. The hospital stinks. <laughs> I, anybody would ask me, "Are you going to be a doctor like your dad?" I was like, "No, thanks." You know, I always had an interest in in physics and building things and really taking things apart. I got in trouble, what 80, 82, 83, when the um, first computers were coming out. Yeah. I had this little sixty five k computer that was probably half the size of your laptop there and could hardly do anything I mean 65k yeah. you know <laughs> and uh, I got one into, files that
0: big now I like got a got small in, file I got into worst trouble
1: uh, uh, one of the worst trouble of my life because my dad came in the room and I had it apart on the floor I, you know I took it apart to see what was making it work that's yeah. kind of how my mind works right so what makes things work and and I was a physics major in college. And, and it wasn't until my senior year in college, January of my senior year. Now, I had gotten a job in the hospital because I had an ACL tear from a football injury in high school, which okay. I should have never have been playing football because <laughs> I was 5'8", 118 pounds, and didn't belong on the field. But, you know, I finally decided to get surgery when I was 21. Okay. And uh, back then they used to immobilize you, so I was in this immobilization brace. You know, now you wake up and you're, you're moving right away. Yeah. But, I was immobilized, sitting at home, just complaining all day. And Dad said, "Well, hey, we need someone to enter data into the computer at the lab. If if you want to come up, so I went and sat in the lab for that summer of uh, I guess it was my sophomore junior year in college, ninety one ish. And I just got paid to be a data entry uh, person in the the hospital. And after I was able to walk again, one of the phlebotomists. Quit and the phlebotomy tech said, "Hey Tom, you want to come do phlebotomy?" I was <laughs> like, "Draw blood? What are you talking about? I don't want to stick needles in people's arms. That's gross." And uh, they they grounded on me and and you know it was another two fifty an hour. I think it was like six fifty an hour. If you <laughs> believe that. Um, so uh, finally, I did it for the extra money. I almost quit twice during the first month because it was just too stressful, sticking needles in people's arms. I couldn't take it. But i stuck with it ended up really enjoying it it was just it was a weekend and summer job for the next three years all the way to my senior year in college when i was getting ready to go off to washington university in st louis for my engineering masters because you got a physics degree from centenary at the time and then you transfer your credits to washington university or some others i had a full ride scholarship to wash U. okay and i went up there to visit checked out the room got my assignments saw my professors was getting a tour of the facility and something just didn't seem right you know every room I went in there were people sitting there pecking on the computer and it was dimly lit rooms and no one was personable and I just on the ride home I just was thinking this isn't what I want to do and I loved the hospital that by that point and helping people and some of my best memories of patient care come from my phlebotomy days I mean things that will like bring tears to my eyes if I tell the story yeah and um, I just I came home and I remember going into my dad's office. He was sitting there, pecking on his computer, and said, "Dad, I've been having some funny thoughts lately." And uh, at that, he turned around and looked at me with his glasses on the end of his nose, and like he was waiting for whatever I was going to say. <laughs> and uh, and I said, "I, I think I want to go to med school rather than physics." And he was like, "Wow, I thought it was going to be something serious." Yeah. And he's like, "Do it." I was like, "But I've wasted all this time on physics and college," and he's like do it whatever he never pressured me but he said do what you want to do so I stayed an extra year and and, um, went into medicine and the rest is history that's how I got into medicine so it was kind of getting into medicine wasn't what I wanted to do once I got there I knew I had to be involved with cutting and fixing yeah that's just my personality you're either a thinker or you're a a cutter in medicine you know it just Thinking about problems and prescribing medicines never has appealed to me. Got gotcha. I like instant solutions, steel heels, you know, surgeon mentality. So um, I knew I wanted to be a surgeon. My first rotation was with the Air Force because I got a scholarship through the Air Force to, to med school. <clears throat> and that first month, it was in Wolford Hall down in San Antonio. I got my ass worked off you know general surgery residency is is really back then now now it's really watered down and I think there are pluses and minuses to that but I think it's to the detriment of the physicians and the patients they're treating because you're losing a lot of experience with the watered down schedule but you know we worked hard and I kind of realized surgeons spend a lot of time in the emergency room on the weekends and at night and a lot of time in the war when they don't want to be so very quickly in the first year, although I thought I wanted to be a heart surgeon or a trauma surgeon or something exciting.
0: After you got over all the blood. <laughs>
1: after I got through being up all night
0: yeah,
1: and, and realizing I didn't want to do that the rest of my life, that got X'd off pretty right. quick. So then I started looking into subspecialties, and ortho is awesome. I mean, I love ortho. You're, you're cutting, fixing, drilling, and, and hammering, and that's just like being a— a carpenter for the body yeah but they spent a lot of time in the or in the er also yeah. at odd hours and, and and just didn't speak to me and then the other surgical subspecialties my best friend um is a went into ent he's now facial plastics and yeah you know ent just didn't appeal to me it's just something about you know your nose and throat i didn't like i didn't want to be an ophthalmologist although monetarily that might have been a better option <laughs> a lot of my ophthalmology friends do very well but so it, it, it kind of came down to just chance i just it, it was an elective i got i didn't really even know what urologists did really I don't, I don't guess too much um but i took an elective because it was man- mandatory at that time nowadays it's not but and at the end of that elective i just realized all the urology residents were happy yeah they were pretty much done with work at five o'clock you can count on one hand the number of emergencies that bring you to the emergency room or into the or on the weekend you get to do a lot of a lot of cool stuff that's you know you can get as elbow deep into the body taking kidneys and bladders out or you can do all office stuff and do vasectomies and and prostate biopsies everything in between it's a really varied schedule you're not just knocking on the door patient after patient saying hey how are you i'm dr siskrom what can i do for you next next right you know you see a patient like today i saw a patient i did a biopsy i saw a patient i did a scope i saw a patient i went across the street uh, you know it's it. your day is so varied and always new always interesting and you know there's a lot of things in urology you can help people and uh, satisfies my um Instant gratification, yeah. cut and fix, you know. Yes. You guy can't pee, you do a terp, and he's like, <laughs> I pee like a racehorse now, and you're the best best doctor ever. Yeah. And, you know, it's it makes you feel good helping people, not just having a, we call it in medicine, a stone garden. Yeah. You know, where you're just cultivating patients and having them come back every three to six months and checking their blood pressure which is still high checking their diabetes which still sh- sucks Yep. writing them a new prescription tell them to eat better and you know just next revolving door that doesn't appeal to me so that's that's why i chose urology it was kind of it kind of fit my personality and you know people joke say hey why would you want to look at penises all day and it's it's, it's no more that than you know uh, a gastroenterologist wanting to look at rectums all day that's yeah. not what brings you to medicine exactly it's, it's the thing so I get to deal with kidney stones a lot I deal with with people who can't urinate well um, cancers of the prostate bladder kidney um, you know, it's, it's really highly varied, lo- varied, lots of things to do and, and you can get as deep or as shallow into it as you want.
0: Well, I think that's, I think it's awesome too, that you actually didn't know what you wanted to do and just fell right into it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Really late. In yeah. The, in the but case. hey, at least you found, you found <laughs> yeah. your passion. And the, yeah. But the thing about it, like a lot of people don't know about urology, like they don't know anything about it. They hear, mm-hmm. they see the term, and they have no idea what it means. Yeah. <laughs> and if they do, it's like directly related to like some bladder issues or ED, but there's so much more that goes into that. Um, I discovered urology i had no idea what it was but it's funny because you brought up orthopedics so initially and i told you the story when i met you i think briefly a little bit but initially whenever i discovered urology <clears throat> i had a kidney issue but i didn't know at the time it was a kidney issue so my lower back was hurting a lot and we were doing a lot of like heavy like lifting high, heavy leg lifting i, I had a lot of lower a muscle i so, thought i pulled a muscle yeah so i initially <clears throat> went to the orthopedic doctor uh, at the time and they're like nothing's wrong they looked at everything and then end up getting a ct scan and then my kidneys basically looked like there was sand in there you know there was ketones everywhere and then i ended up going to urologists and um had to go in the hospital for a couple days so you had of lots of little flesh, stones yes mm-hmm. i had a, a bunch of little stones yeah, like hundreds sand. of them it looked uh-huh. just like sand to me like right. when i looked at it i was like holy shit that's what you know it it's calling like inflammation.
1: nephrocalcinosis i think
0: is what you're describing okay well it, it called inflammation basically yeah. it caused inflammation and made my back hurt uh-huh. and i was thinking it was a muscle issue but it was because i was on a high protein low carb diet not getting enough fat and not yeah. getting enough fluids yeah and um I, uh, found that out later you know where I, I got off of all the supplements I was taking too much you know protein powders at the time going to, you know at the time there wasn't much supplement stores things going to GNC and taking, mixing it in milk yeah getting tons of yeah. calcium too. yeah that too yeah that yeah. your debt yeah and so for there for that next year rehabbing that or probably six months rehabbing that I would take i would take the, the flush peels they mm-hmm. provide and um, take a lot of water in and I got to where everybody started making fun of me because I was a douchebag with a gallon jug Yeah. but I was a douchebag with a gallon jug because I had a medical issue that I was trying to resolve not because I was trying to look like the douchebag with a gallon jug yeah. you know what I mean but it, it, it worked out to where it created a really healthy habit for me this is actually I had half of a gallon a day and I'm working on my, going to a full gallon earlier but um yeah, it worked out to so where it's a healthy habit, and I'm, you know, a con- con- more body conscious. Mm-hmm. Now, that was, I was probably 22 at the time. I, I didn't know what the hell I was doing anyways. Yeah. I was also drinking alcohol and partying all the time, and working out, not getting a healthy diet. But I was low-carbing, and I was cutting weight for fights. It was just a whole ordeal, man. Yeah. But that's how I discovered that industry because I, I I I'd heard the term, but I didn't know what it meant until I had to visit that clinic and figure out that I had these issues going on. Right.
1: my philosophy on water drinking people ask me of course all the time how much water should i drink i I say drink when you're thirsty yeah whether you believe uh, in god in creation or evolution one of the other two of those ways our bodies were designed and and work very well just like every other animal on the planet there's no other animal on the planet that has to look at his watch and decide when to drink or or be told how many gallons of water to drink a day the body works if you let it the problem with Our bodies is that our brains get in the way, and and we have all these things we've developed artificially, Mm -hmm. which are not species appropriate diets, and we are not as a as a society on a species appropriate diet. Oh no, of course not. That's the problem. If if we all were, and that's what I try to strive for, is eating like my ancestors before they learned how to make all this crap that we're eating. Yes. And when you do that, that. it works.
0: Let's talk about that because that that excites me um, because I've done quite a few different, I I tried to do the little uh, vegetarian stint just for a little while just (coughs) to try it out, knowing that I wasn't going to be with it long. Mm -hmm. Um, Carnivore, I love it. Um, I applied that for a long time uh, on and off. I enjoy that. I've done Keto, done Caveman, you know, um, what are your thoughts? I guess what are you currently doing, and then what do you prescribe? Like, what, if you would suggest some, some, something to someone who's tried everything,
1: I'll ask you a question first. The things you describe: a vegetarian, keto, carnivore, and caveman. What's the common thread among all four of
0: those? Meat. No. Oh no, well, not vegetarian. Not. Wow, uh, man. Um, low carb.
1: No. Vegetarians often very high. Quality. Well, yeah,
0: it's car. Well, I am I guess not complex, but okay. well, why do all of those create healthier well, it's whole humans? Whole food. Whole food. There whole you food. go. Excuse me. Yeah,
1: creates healthier humans.
0: Here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I should know this. I
1: I started just like every other American, uh, stopping at Seven Eleven as often yeah. as possible, eating the honey bun and Coke. Um, I, I, when I was in the Air Force, you know, up in Utah. Every morning, I'd stop at the gas station and fill my 64-refillable jug with Coca-Cola, full sugar, and and drink it all day, and I'd refill it on the way home. And, you know, it's not coincidental that I got a kidney stone, you know, not too many years later, and still have a few tiny ones there that are there forever now that I've formed them. Um, I had a horrible diet, and I've got a picture on my phone and on my Instagram somewhere that I like people to see of me sitting... holding a french fry my my dad gut hanging out i I was destined to be the typical american in his 50s i'm 51 now with metabolic dysfunction and or diabetes depending on your genetics how soon you're going to get it but it's it's a it's a continuum it's not a you know like turn on that light switch on and off on and off diabetes no diabetes it's it's a continuum just like someone who's pregnant a woman who's pregnant she's pregnant from the moment she's pregnant even though she can look Totally unpregnant right. and right. do whatever she was right. doing. She's pregnant. Yeah, it's only later in the pregnancy that you start seeing and modifying behaviors and and, and things start working That's differently. A very
0: interesting comparison. I like that. That's
1: what diabetes is, and yeah. people think diabetes is just this switch that comes on. Oh, my doctor says I got diabetes now. No, you've had diabetes for a long time. You've had metabolic dysfunction and insulin resistance for a long time. And I was on that slide. I was sliding right into the cesspool, just where all of America is swimming right now. And incidentally, that's why they're dying of COVID. A lot yep. of them. Yep. The first 250 deaths in Caddo Parish, I had the privilege of looking at, at their charts. And although the death certificates only listed as a 35% incidence of diabetes, they actually was 60% of them had diabetes. Okay. There's a 40% one average BMI yep. of the first 250 oh. deaths so this this virus is preying upon metabolic dysfunction it's not, it's not attacking healthy people that's why I have zero fear from the virus and yep. I recommend anybody who's afraid of this virus just start eating healthy yep. and exercise but anyway so I was heading down that path and um, I, I got introduced to CrossFit um, in 2012 after a divorce it was when I was at my lowest of lows okay. in all ways in my life it's not something that I wanted at age 42 um, but it happened and I quit working out I used to just do the typical bro sessions yeah. you know, back <laughs> and <laughs> by oh, chest yeah. and try I legs you'll that as well yeah um, and that's how we worked out when you know through the the 90s and but um, you know once i got introduced to crossfit and and realized hey this makes me feel good it makes me look good i feel better and when you're in the crossfit community you start picking up other people's habits of and and it's it's advertised quit drinking the coke you know quit eating the honey buns let's let's talk about whole foods and it it's this culture of health that draws you in and you realize how healthy it is and then i had the privilege of um of meeting and getting to know Greg Glassman the founder of CrossFit he invited me out me and Ken out to California to get trained he paid for us to be trained as an L1 we were the first two physicians he trained in the L1 MD program that's awesome
0: I didn't know that That's yeah, amazing. We,
1: we were invited out in September of 2018 the first official CrossFit MDL one was I think in January or or so of, of, of the next year or maybe a, a month or two after we did but he invited us back to, to observe the first CFMDL one, and we went out to California three or four times to the um, to the discussions he held. And it just you know the deeper you go down this rabbit hole, you realize um, how wrong we have it as a society. And Shocker here. Our government knows shit yeah. about health and nutrition. <laughs> so anything you read with the FDA stamp yeah. on it yeah.
0: Just ignore well, I mean, it. that those things have been uncovered left and right as we see it You know, like yeah. all these docu-series you see where they've been in the cahoots on all of these medical projects yeah. over the past 50 it, years,
1: it's all it's Damn. all bastardized and so they're still recommending a low-fat yeah. uh, diet and, and they still allow sugars and high carb diets and but the thing about the four that you listed and where my philosophy lands now, and I've been low carb. Mm-hmm. I then went into pure keto for, you know, a year and a half, two years. And I do well on pure keto, yeah. but it is restrictive in, in modern society and harder to do, yeah. you know? So I think everybody evolves to a point where, um, and I saw a lot of benefits from keto, um, athletic benefits too. I mean, I, I got, um, I did a a bike ride where I ate zero for 100 miles, just drank electrolyte water, Mm -hmm. and I did better than I did 10 years prior as a full-carb athlete. I finished faster, felt better, had zero soreness, drove home, and and went into CrossFit the next day after a 100-mile bike ride. And that was because I didn't have all the inflammation in my body from the American diet and chugging goo all the time, you know? So, but where I fall now, my philosophy now is eat species-appropriate diet, whole natural foods that are not produced by man, and that includes um, the polyunsaturated seed oils high on the list. The three things I recommend people avoid are polyunsaturated seed oils despite the fact that when you pick up that bottle of canola oil in the grocery store, it says heart healthy on it, Mm -hmm. approved by the FDA, they don't know crap. (laughs) That stuff is killing you. And um, Paul Saladino, carnivore MD, if you don't know him, you need to follow him. He does podcasts and goes in depth with research. He is so good about all of his research and knowledge on these subjects, but the polyunsaturated seed oils. Um, basically any oil that you have to get through a manufacturing process if you can squeeze an olive and drip oil cold press out it's okay right you know coconut oil is the same thing a cold pressed oil avocado oil um, those are all okay Um, they're monounsaturated some polyunsaturated but the manufactured ones that have to be made in a a chemical factory are obviously not good for you I mean our our bodies aren't used to that it's not not meant for our bodies so tallow beef beef fat you know um and and other animal fats how do you feel about pork pork fat i I think is okay the 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 way pork fat um is bad is by what the animals are fed i I believe okay gotcha you know they're fed the grains so when they eat lots of grains their bodies aren't meant to do that either and and they form more polyunsaturated um oils and fats in their bodies so we're you know, optimal diet should be grass-fed, grass-finished. All animals never come close to an antibiotic or or a or grain mixture mm-hmm. to fatten them up before slaughter. That's you know, and pretend you're living a thousand years ago, exactly, and eating what your ancestors. Well, ate. my argument
0: always <laughs> with the uh, vegetarian thing, and I, and I did try it at a younger age, all, only because I wanted to see what the <clears throat> what the hype was about but also because I wanted to see if it would help me in weight cutting for fights mm-hmm. and in competition so I realized that I mean we have these teeth they're called carnivore teeth we have them for a reason the canines yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we're we're supposed to eat meat right mm-hmm. <clears throat> so the fact that and our guts our, our stomachs we, we are not uh, ruminants right
1: we don't have plant stomachs we got animal eat, we're designed to digest bone and yeah. and ligament and meat yeah. you know that hydrochloric acid is there for a reason Yeah. so
0: it's it, it just always blows my mind how there's always an argument there where it's like carnivore versus vegans even way more carnivore, yeah. but carnivore versus vegetarian and my thing is is like um I, I, I enjoy a good green vegetable but at this point in my life i've realized and and i've not to, i have no knowledge to the extent you do but that after trying all these things, Whole Foods is most important That's in my it. opinion. Like, I, if it comes from, if it grows, or it can walk around, if eat. you can, <laughs> if you can kill it, pick it, or fish it. Yep, exactly. In,
1: in its natural form. Now, my favorite argument for for vegetarians, and if you like vegetarian diet because you don't want to kill animals, so be it. Right. It, but it's not the optimal human diet. It's very hard to get all the nutrition. It's very hard to get the uh, number of calories. And even even the nutrition that they claim you're getting is not the optimal form for digestion and metabolism in the human body. Again, carnivore MD goes into detail about all that. The different isomers of, of different vitamins, some of them don't work in the human body, and you're just you can eat it all you want. It's not going to be the optimum. Yeah. So. You go to a vegetarian convention and a carnivore convention, you're going to see two different types of people there.
0: <laughs> yeah,
1: You're going to see a lot of wispy, you thin, go, go. string beans, yes. um, skinny vegetarians because they're malnourished. Yeah. I hate to tell it to them, but they are. And my answer to that is if you want to claim that humans are meant to be vegetarians, you come with me. We'll go out into the wilderness of north Louisiana in the swamps, and we'll we'll live there for a couple months, no whole foods Produce section. You can eat what you can pick, and we'll see who lives longer. You're not gonna pick
0: very much. You're not gonna pick very much. You're gonna be eating snakes and turtles and fish, and
1: you're gonna be eating meat. You know to survive. (laughs) Yeah, and
0: that's a very good point. Because that is that is the way humans evolved. No matter the no matter the climate, no matter the area, wherever on earth you want to go. Wherever
1: on earth you want to go, i challenge a vegetarian to go there and survive.
0: <laughs> without the whole foods food system. Right. Right without something that was shipped here for yep. you to for your access. Now yep. that's
1: not to say humans don't eat plants. Of course we eat plants. Right. You know, we, we've learned how which plants we can eat and which we can't.
0: A lot we can't. A lot a lot we can. more we can't than we and, can. And
1: the ones that we can, a lot of times we've we can now because we've genetically changed them. Mm-hmm. Tomatoes were poisonous before humans crossbred them. Did you know that? No
0: shit, I did not. Tomatoes
1: know that. are nightshades. I hate tomatoes. So everyone
0: who's listening, there you go.
1: Tomatoes <laughs> were poisonous um, poisonous fruits of the plant until we crossbred out the poison. And there's a lot of things that we eat now because we've crossbred them and b- bred out the poisonous components mm-hmm. through crossbreeding. It's the only reason we can eat them, or because you cook them you know a lot of people if they eat a raw potato they'll get sick it's it's yeah. not good for our stomachs we have to cook it to break down the the thing so it's, you know you go out into the wilderness anywhere in the world you want with a, a vegan and a carnivore and see who does
0: better yeah and you're, you're right I mean that's the ultimate
1: answer is yeah. to what's the optimal human well, diet. that's funny
0: you have to look back and or listen or watch the show with uh, me and Lindsay Persico and she went up into the um, Arctic the Canadian Arctic and had mm-hmm. to live for a solid month and they dropped off a moose carcass yeah and she survived off of it, and that was it. There was no knives, no guns, nothing. Fat organ meats.
1: Organ meats are very important in in human evolution and I think for health, um, because they've got all the nutrient dense. We weren't meant, you know, when you hear carnivore, people say, oh, I don't want to just eat steak all the time. Well, that's going to result in some deficiencies as well. If you do nothing but eat steak, that's not healthy. You've got to get other nutrients. Are you a liver guy? Um, I. Have, have a liver in my freezer yeah <laughs> uh, a bison liver that I just have to chop up into portions I'd want to start I take the supplements of the desiccated liver um, it's the most nutritious substance it on is, the planet it is is is, um, is animal liver mm-hmm. it's got everything the human body needs to survive um, it just tastes I'm gonna, shit man <laughs> yeah I'm going to cut into about uh, three ounce portions and I'm going to try and get into a habit of eating at least three ounces of liver every day oh. but um it's uh, eating organs and fat and, and then muscle meat. The, the indigenous tribes, when you go live with them or, or, or investigate them, a lot of times they give the muscle meat to their dogs.
0: And that's what we put on a pedestal.
1: That's what we put on the pedestal. <laughs> they go after the liver, the heart, yes, the yes, pancreas, yes, the kidneys. Yes. That's what's prized in the indigenous um, communities throughout the world. Whether you go to the Arctic and they're they're, eating, they're just killing whales and, and eating seals all the time, they don't throw those organs away. That's well, the brain. They eat that's everything. The like yeah, they eat everything, nose to tail. Yeah. And that's what the optimal human diet is: is nose to tail eating. With plants, there's a supplement. You know, occasionally you're going to come across an apple tree, and you're going to engorge the tribe on apples but that's seasonal, and it's not that often.
0: Yeah, you know, that's the, very, like, I've never I never thought about it in that. you got to think of plants real, also. That's very uh, interesting.
1: A, a thing that, that Paul Saladino also explains very well is plants don't want to be eaten, right? Yeah. Animals don't want to be eaten either, but right. they can bite, they can run, they can fly, they can squirt things in your face, they can stink like a skunk. I mean, they have various mechanisms to prevent you from catching and eating them. What does a plant have? Nothing. Nothing, other than their chemicals. And plants are loaded with chemicals to prevent animals, including humans, from wanting to eat them. You know, Most plants on earth we cannot eat will either kill us or make us very sick. Okay. Um, the things that we can eat, if it's natural, like apples, think it's because the plant wants us to eat it. Why does the plant want us to pick its apple and eat it? Because we're going to eat it and poop out the seeds later, yeah. and spread its seeds across. Makes so sense. most fruits are designed by the plant to be enticing to animals to eat, because you're spreading their seeds and their future generations. Now they don't <clears throat> want you to eat their their leaves and stems because that's going to kill them. You know, so they have chemicals in their leaves and stems, and um, even though i eat nuts they're nuts too unfortunately almonds and and you can't even eat cashews unless you process them it's a very hard process to get cashews Um, so you know those things are meant to be um, dispersed without being eaten the actual seed the the future generation of the plant is not to be eaten according to the plant Um, we found ways to eat them but they're they're not wanting us to, in right. other words. Yeah. So they're divining, designing chemical um, uh, defensive mechanisms. Well,
0: that, that raises a really interesting point. What about almond milk? How do you feel about that? I, I,
1: I'm not a fan of it okay. for that reason. I mean, I think, I think there's a lot of lectins, which is one of the chemicals um, in in almonds and in a lot of plants Um, and Paul Saladino has full podcasts on this and and he goes into detail about how all of these things can disrupt the lining of the gut uh, this the gap junctions the tight junctions in the gut which are supposed to be sealed Um, it also disrupts the flora of the gut and so it can cause inflammation in the gut and things can leak into the interstitium of the gut a lot of our GI issues Mm -hmm. as a society are caused by our, our plant diets. That's and, crazy. And you know, the most well-known lectin is gluten.
0: Yeah. Gluten's course. just I'm, one of many. I'm a, like, I'm a, see, I still consume almond milk. You got be scared now. Mm-hmm. Um, because I just got off dairy, like, just whole milk, man. Mm-hmm. I just got to where I just couldn't drink this yeah. shit, man. But I guess, honestly, I'm not, i say I drink almond milk every night, but I don't really ever have milk. But if I do, I have that yeah. normally, and it's like the unsweetened vanilla version. right? right? But, gluten is my number one enemy and I found this out but most people don't realize I'm glad you brought this up earlier and I'm I'm pretty much seasonal at this point with my diet Like I feel like if you look back in nature like those animals go into hibernation, they start consuming more carbs and more fat and they get ready to Mm -hmm. gain some weight and hibernate. I feel like I'm that type of person now during the winter and the colder months I consume more calories and in the the warmer months I'm more carnivore pretty much and you know not even consuming any types of you know rice or potatoes or even that much vegetables It's just a lot of meat mm-hmm. and, it, and it leans me out. but I feel like in these in the winter months, I do consume a little more of those things naturally and I figure out what's worked. but I'm a huge advocate against gluten want, but you can't, a lot of people are like, oh man, it's fine. And even people that are healthier, even people that CrossFit all the time, whatever, they, they have their beer, they have their pizza, whatever. But once you get off of it for longer than like a month you, and you feel yes, the difference yes, and then you try to eat it and you feel how big of a pile of
1: shit you feel like. Funny story, just this past week, I told you before we started recording that I went on vacation last yeah. week and uh, I went down to the Virgin Islands and ate whatever, mm-hmm. you know, Um, it's very rare that I do that but I had ice cream and I had bread and you know it was just no holds barred and and, um, so I just you just don't feel right Mm -hmm. there's something wrong with your gut and the way you feel and you're more lethargic and then I came home and and when I started eating um, when I started eating the normal things I eat steak and and um, fattier type foods I was having some gi issues if yeah. you know what i mean yeah. and it's taken me three or four days to get back regulated to where i feel normal again because my i think my gut was inflamed from all of the stuff that i was eating it's, it's like hey what the hell is this we hadn't seen this in a while and, yeah. you know, and it inflamed my gut and when i started eating fat I, it wasn't able to tolerate it anymore so that high high fat uh, was just flushing right through me and yeah. it, it, for like three or four days after i got home i just wasn't wasn't doing well and you know it it's back to normal. But my, my philosophy on almond milk, again, comes down to, is this something that we've been eating for a million years? Yeah. Almond right. milk is made in a factory. Yeah. You shouldn't be right. eating exactly. it. Right, exactly. You shouldn't be eating yeah. it. Yeah. Um, there are people who argue against drinking milk, too. But m- milk we've been drinking for hundreds of thousands of years, probably, I don't know, 10,000 years at a least. Long time. By squeezing the udder of a cow right. and drinking it. I, I think our bodies are adjusted to that at this point. Yeah some people are sensitive to the lactose um in in the milk and and are intolerant you know everybody's different dairy does not affect me um it doesn't affect me that much either i don't i don't have a problem with it so i will i will not shy away from dairy i eat a lot of cheese um and uh, it doesn't hurt me at all. It doesn't affect me at all. But, um, you know, processed milks, processed oils, processed foods yeah. that you have to open a cellophane wrapper box or bag to get to, well, stay away from it. Like
0: anytime I have this conversation with people, it's like if if it's, uh, you know, that what what is it called whenever you donate the stuff to the... Um, Oh man, I'm trying I'm to blank right now. When you donate something to a food bank or something, yeah, it stays um, on the shelf forever. It's perishable, non perishable. Yeah, perishable, yeah, yeah. right? Okay, if it can sit on a shelf longer than like 10 days, yeah. probably should put it in your body. But unfortunately, yeah. I feel like the past 30 years of our existence has been, well, I mean, honestly, probably since the 60s, That's right? That's been the goal the of 50s. food production. Like, it's just. Yeah let's see how cheap we can make something and make it last and so make it, it has shelf life yes yeah. and and mass produce it and and all these things we're seeing diabetes cancer all these things i don't give a shit who lies and says it's not connected to that and you're the md here not me it is but that's bullshit. It, <laughs> it bullshit
1: it is it's 100 percent related to our diet yes and all of these foods made in factories are not species appropriate yeah it's stuff that we're you know it may taste good and it may last on the shelf a long time there's someone somewhere you can google it and find out who's had a thing of mcdonald's french fries sat on a shelf yes. for 20 30 years or yeah. something and they're still sitting there
0: well so look uh,
1: just like they did when they
0: were made a friend of mine um kim Kimberly Griggs, who's who's been on the podcast before, she's a chiropractor here locally. She's had a uh, sausage biscuit sitting on her counter of her practice since she opened it, I believed. Yeah, and it's probably at this point five or six years old, and yeah. still looks the same. If
1: if flies, on if flies, and, and and other things won't
0: eat it, we shouldn't yeah. be eating it. And this is like a McDonald's sausage biscuit, you know, yeah. I mean a McMuffin or something yeah. like. They, that's a good point too. Yeah, that is a good point.
1: Yeah, it's. Um, it's it's just not appropriate for us and and people want to lie to themselves and I I, I get it it's I mean it, it's easy it's good it yeah. tastes good
0: it's well, we cheap just, well, just like you said earlier we've been used to it's a very good point <clears throat> like like you said earlier on the way you would get you a, a fill up your coke soft drink mm-hmm. and have a honey bun mm-hmm. like if you're used to consuming that stuff you don't realize how bad it makes you feel until you yeah. quit consuming yeah. it for a while and then get on something a lot better for the body, and then you have those things. I took the uh, the kids to, to grab a donut at um, one of those little pop up donut trucks a couple weeks ago, and I was like, okay, I'll splurge and have one, dude. I felt like total shit the rest of the day. If I eat a donut or something really sweet yes. like that, I get a headache
1: behind my eyeballs almost within fifteen minutes. I
0: felt like shit.
1: and then I just have this cloud head fog. Yes. it just. It, it, it's it's um, it's an incentive not to eat that stuff. And uh, another funny story is um, Christmas and Thanksgiving at mom's, you know, or whatever.
0: Oh yeah, man, that's. I a revert whole. back, you know.
1: Okay, I'll have another piece of the pie. pie. Bag, taking and, that, you know, all the sweet stuff, the yes. the uh, sweet potato casserole yeah. with the sugared pecans on top. Yeah. I feel like shit the
0: rest of the day. I and, tell everybody they know I'm like, know, hey, I'm gonna be, uh, I'm not gonna be available for an hour after yeah, this because I'm gonna be messed up. It
1: sucks, but you know, every now and then you have to remind yourself how bad it makes you feel. But for anyone out there listening who gets home so i'm just exhausted I'm on the couch it must have been a rough day at work no it's your body telling you you're not yep. fueling it properly yep. because i go a full day at work now i go right from work to crossfit without eating yep. i do crossfit and then i come home and i can last i can not eat dinner if i want yep. um, it's just my body tells me i'm hungry but i can skip it if i have to if i get busy or, or whatever and you know uh, like that bike ride i did i woke up um in the morning, and um, my one vice and addiction is um, zero-carb, ultra-monster. Uh, I'll drink, okay. I'll drink okay. one every morning. Often I have one in the afternoon, too. But that's the one thing that I wish I, I didn't put in my body that I do. Um, so I drank my monster in the morning, got on my bike, rode 100 miles, only stopped to pee twice, um, and um, just drank electrolyte water. Got off the bike 3 o'clock, I think, or so. It took me six and a half hours or so. Um, and then I went to my best friend from college's house, went and watched their daughter play soccer for an hour and a half, standing on a soccer field, watching soccer, and then went to eat at about 7 o'clock that night. So I had not eaten anything from the night before, having ridden 100 miles, and I was perfectly fine. Yeah. Now, by the time I got to that, my my computer watch said that I'd burned 7,000 calories. I believe it. And I was hungry.
0: Yeah, I bet. You know, I was ready
1: to eat. <laughs> and we went to a Mexican restaurant, and I ate everything, yeah. and, and I refueled. But, you know, it, when you eat a species-appropriate diet and avoid the processed foods, your, your chemicals work. You've got leptin in your body to tell you when to eat, you've got ghrelin. Um, Which is its counterpart both of those ghrelin is the baseline ghrelin is the eat more hormone Okay, it's the base hormone. It's when all else fails. It's going to work. It's the generator For your body. So if your power goes off in the building the generator kicks on and supplies power If all of your systems in your body go haywire as to whether you should eat or not what's going to be the default for a for an organism to survive what should the default be
0: I eat. mean, water. Eat, or well, I mean, yeah. I guess eat. if you yeah, get right, right, yeah. Yeah, you know, water. You're always going to be thirsty if you get
1: right. low. But if you're debating whether or not to eat, and your systems are uh, skewed, the baseline hormone gotcha. is, is ghrelin. Gotcha. Gotcha. It's always going gotcha. to make us want to eat. It's always being produced. The thing that suppresses it is leptin. Okay. So leptin is is secreted from your fat cells when you eat and. Your fat cells are taking in energy because when you eat something you don't burn all that energy right then a lot of people think that it's almost like um, an instant in instant out i mean you eat a thousand calorie meal you don't burn a thousand calories in in the 30 minutes that you ate that meal. What do you do with it? You store it, store it. Yes. Uh, Some of it gets burned immediately just to pick your fork up off the plate. Right. Some of it goes into blood glucose to float around. A lot of it goes into glycogen storage, which is short term, easy access storage through glucose. The rest of it goes into fat storage. You're storing fat every time. And then the protein gets broken down and eaten. What protein you don't use at the moment. And you can only use a certain amount of protein in a day. I think it's 0.4 um, grams per per kilogram per day or something like. That. Don't quote me on that number, but you can only process so much protein in a day, and that's why you had your your stones. Is because yeah. you were eating excessive protein, what your body couldn't process. It was converting to glucose and or excreting in the urine, and uh, so. What protein you don't use, if you're on a high protein diet, gets converted to glucose also through gluconeogenesis. And then that gets converted to, some of it gets converted to fat if your glycogen stores are full. So you're storing fat when you eat, whether you like it or not. It's a delicate balance. Um, And when when your fat cells take in energy, they release a hormone called leptin. Leptin goes back to the brain and says, okay, we are in energy input mode we don't need to eat any more right now. Okay. So let's suppress ghrelin. So that's the eat less hormone. Leptin suppresses ghrelin. You eat less. Well, then that leptin wears off, and what happens? Your, you ghrelin, eat more? Yeah. your ghrelin comes back up. So it's this delicate, beautiful dance of the hormones. I just love how the body works.
0: <laughs> well, and I've never heard it broken if down if like that, but it, it, makes sense. Work, it makes sense. It
1: works. So if you, the problem is when you become insulin resistant,
0: Yeah.
1: You're, you're storing more fat than you should. That's why insulin resistant people keep getting fatter and fatter because right. they're storing more energy than they should. And you're always producing leptin. So as those fat cells are always taking in fat. They're always going to be releasing leptin and then your brain becomes leptin resistant. Mm-hmm. And when you're leptin resistant, the ghrelin doesn't get the signal to suppress. So you're always hungry. And that's why people who eat a high carb diet or eat junk food are always that makes sense it makes and sense. i used to be that way
0: yeah i mean we've all been there i've been there too yeah um it, previous to my health you know try to healthy life but basically it does make sense and it's very interesting how those people it takes so much something you're talking about someone who's overweight it takes so much for them to lose it yeah and then they plateau because they have to jump over these huge heels to get their body functioning like it should should be right, you know and who knows how long it's been in that state 20 years yeah, it takes a long 10 time years to lose it. 15 years you know who knows and then you have to go leaps and bounds and make drastic changes and stay that way for a while yeah. before you make you know before it starts functioning how it should and then, and holding a lot that. of
1: times, people who try to lose weight, the, the obese, they do it the wrong way. They yeah. try to be calorie restrictive. Mm-hmm. The body does not tolerate calorie restriction, period. My philosophy is eat when hungry, eat until full. Okay. I, I try to eat like a wolf. But whole foods. Whole foods, yes. Species appropriate diet. Yeah, That's the key. Yeah. It, it, a wolf doesn't go up to a kill and say, "Oh, I'm just going to eat a little bit nah, today. I'm going to save nah. the rest for tomorrow." Nah, yeah. He engorges until he cannot eat anymore, yeah. and then his body works. He stores the energy he can't process. His leptin suppresses ghrelin until everything's done, and then a day or two later, the ghrelin will start coming up, and he'll start looking for another kill. I'm, I'm That's the way that it works. Sure. Yeah, and so I love that. Now, I used to, I used to be on that that. Hamster wheel, too. I would yeah. have to eat every two hours yeah. something. I used to, too. I, I had to a power bar in my pocket. I used to do that I always
0: have something. Yeah.
1: Power bar, bagel, yeah. breakfast with grits and toast and eggs. Yeah. This is during residency, particularly. They actually made fun of me in my residency chief roast because don't get in the way of Tom and his food because I had to have something every two or three hours
0: or yeah. I'd start getting a headache. I'd just get ravenously hungry and I just don't get those sensations anymore. I'm the same way. I eat probably four times a day. And uh, for me, that's perfect. Some people say, twice. "See, and that's great." And I'm working my way to that, but I'm going from seven times a day to four. Yeah, you know, because I was on that bodybuilder diet. I probably for a while, just eat that bigger weight, portions. The, than the you. weight cut diet, yeah. you know, and now it's like I eat a lot. I eat a decent sized breakfast. Eat a really big lunch. Mm-hmm. I ate something small before workout and then I eat a pretty decent sized dinner. Yeah. And that small before workout typically is something that I know I'm not gonna I'm gonna fucking crossfit so hard that I'm not gonna throw up. Yeah. So it's usually like a handful of grapes or something, right? And you know if you're <laughs> honest
1: with yourself, that may be a habit.
0: Yeah, are you maybe. really hungry? I don't know. I just feel like I may need that added, you know, fuel because i know our, about to kick my. A lot of our intake these days is just habit. Yeah. And I, you well, know, that's that's what I get so aggravated about. Is like it's constantly who the fuck, available food. Who instilled that you have to have? Who named it breakfast and why do you have to have it? I can tell you that. And lunch and dinner. Please like, tell me <laughs> breakfast is the most important meal of the day. Exactly. Was, Bullshit. Was a uh,
1: marketing. A marketing from uh, Kellogg's. Yeah, I believe it. Who was, um, uh, what's the name of the church? Uh, Christian Science? No, uh, Seventh Day Adventist, I believe. Okay. Um, He believed that meat was devil's uh, candy because it made men more lustful. And it was actually has basis in religion of why he started the Kellogg's cereal company. I, mean, I had no idea. He was trying to get people to um, quit eating meat, so he started making cereals for them to eat. Yeah. And then to sell it more, they put sugar. Actually Post used to work for Kellogg's, and they were friends. He split off because Kellogg wouldn't add sugar to the cereal, but Post realized if you add sugar, people buy it more. Yeah so he split off formed post cereal company started adding sugar to it and came up it was either post or kellogg came up with breakfast the most important meal of the day and it's for some reason gotten instilled in our mantra and even in our medical community that breakfast is i don't eat breakfast see breakfast is
0: i did intermittent fasting for a long time and it worked decent for me i've gotten back to where i eat in the morning but i wouldn't call it i don't get up and immediately eat yeah. i'm up for a yeah. couple hours and then i eat i don't think know.
1: any meal is an important meal of the day the yeah. meal that's important is when you're hungry it makes sense and if you wake up and you're not hungry don't freaking eat makes sense. don't eat out of habit It is habit. It's wait like until you're hungry and then eat your food yeah. and eat until you're full as long as you're eating good whole foods you will get into a balance within your body it may take a while if you mm-hmm. if you've been on a bad diet for a while and you're obese actually the the obesity helps eat less and helps intermittent fasting because you've got all the fat to burn Mm -hmm. people don't understand that fat is a is a very uh, good fuel for the human body and why else would we store it if we weren't supposed to eat fat we'd be storing you know we'd be like a potato yeah we'd be storing glucose but we're storing fat because fat is the optimal fuel it's got the highest density calories and uh, if you're not going to eat fat, your body's going to look for calories elsewhere. Well, obese people who are trying to lose weight already have the fat there, so they're going to need less intake. Once they get their hormones right and quit eating the bad foods, their fat will uh, melt off. I right. Mean, it, it comes. Some some people it comes pretty quick.
0: Well, that, I mean that makes sense. I mean it's pretty self-explanatory and it's pretty simple. I mean yeah, you eat when you're hungry. Eat when you're eat full. When you're don't. And, yeah. and whole foods. I mean. I like it. I, I completely agree. I have no argument there because I have, you know, I've done all the things in the past couple of years, and and I, I have allows you to be so much more free. Well, I mean, once you're, and not only you're that, not a once slave man. to the to eating, yeah, man. Once you're body aware, like you do mm-hmm. not realize until you get all that shit out of mm-hmm. you, and you're body aware you realize what you need and what you don't need but yeah. you gotta get off that bullshit before you get that and you can tell people that all day long but until they realize that and they've been through it and they get off all those process things then they can say okay I see what you were saying you know what I mean it's the simplest prescription the simplest thing to do ever but it's, it's always very the simplest, very hard it's always that it's if you life. could
1: just get people to have the the courage and the willpower or whatever the determination to just for 30 days eat whole natural foods Um, I think more heavily based towards an animal-based diet nose-to-tail if you can get liver and and fat uh, on on the meat and and meat and supplement with fruits and vegetables um, um, go to carnivoremd.com and he's got a great list of um, species appropriate plant foods that that are better if you and I, I eat them I mean I eat vegetables and meats I don't I'm not all carnivore but if you could do that for 30 days, you, I think most people would realize how much better you feel. And yeah. then it's, you're just, then you can tweak it. Yeah. Then you can tweak it to what I mean, your some body people, does. Some
0: people need a little more <laughs> carbs. Some people need a little more fat. And and I've realized that too. If, yeah. I, if I'm carb excessive, I, I'm not that person. Mm-hmm. I don't need a lot. I can low carb. I have maybe one, I probably 30 a day, maybe. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's that's I'm good. Yeah. Some people may need eighty. Some people may only need ten. You know, you don't know. And, and your cravings will change. I mean, yeah. I used to crave sugar and sweets and, yeah. and
1: all the time, but now I crave fat. When I yeah. when I get a craving, it's usually the crispy fat on a brisket a or, or a ribeye oh. steak. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> that's what I crave. Yeah. I don't crave the sugar anymore, yeah, I like donuts. Chicken,
0: I <laughs> I always crave. That. <laughs> Yeah. but no man I know I get it well let's let's talk about uh, man we done we done a stint on dieting I love it let's talk about CrossFit a little bit man, right. cause I know you're passionate yeah. about it I'm just now back in the CrossFit community I've been out of it for a few years but I'm Fresh back into it, and I'm loving it. My body's reshaped. Um, I'm getting mobility back again. I'm injured like every other week, but not really injured. You know, yeah. just sore yeah. and stuff moving around. Being hurt and being injured, right? Exactly. You know, stuff's just moved. No, I've just been hurt. Yeah. <laughs> I've been sore. Stuff's been moving around and, and working that hasn't been working in a couple of years mm-hmm. because I was either just throwing punches and kicks or I was just lifting heavy weight. You know, and, and getting a yeah. pump. I wasn't actually doing functional fitness, and yeah. I'm back in it now. You're a huge advocate for it. Let's talk about it. All right.
1: I mean I found it in 2012 at age 42 I wish I'd found it a lot longer, yeah. a lot sooner yeah. you know um, it is a lot of people talk crap
0: about it of course you know? they those people haven't it, done it
1: but <laughs> if you don't want to call it CrossFit you can call it whatever you want D1 um, F4 F24 or whatever that one that um, Mark Wahlberg uh, yeah, advertised. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, orange Theory. There's a lot of things you can do that um, are similar, but I think CrossFit has and Greg Glassman. Uh, I'm, you know, I give him credit, and I, 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 he, I consider him a friend now, and he's a brilliant man, and he has distilled it so much to what is what the human body uh, optimally needs. It's functional movements at high intensity that are constantly varied if you do that you can call it whatever you want you don't have to call it CrossFit but in the last week I have done front squats overhead squats bike row pull-ups jump rope burpees Mm -hmm. you know it's every day it's different Mm -hmm. your body never knows what's coming so every muscle in your body has to be prepared for whatever the day throws and there's a few examples I like to use when I'm explaining why i love crossfit and one of them is i use i've been a snowboarder since i lived in the air force in salt lake city okay i learned to snowboard up there in 98 i guess and that first time i snowboarded uh the next day i couldn't (laughs) i mean you know if you ever snowboarded you know your shins are on fire the next day from having to lift your toes and your your hamstrings and you know even your upper body because you're tense you know and As I snowboarded those first few years, and even on the trips when we'd go back snowboarding through the early 2000s, the first day's awesome. You're having fun. It's great. Next day, you wake up. Your back's a little stiff and your shins are a little sore. But hey, we're here to snowboard. Let's go back out. You go back out. You work the kings out. The second day's okay. Third day, you're just like, <laughs> God, do we have to do this again? But you do it because you paid for the three-day yeah. lift ticket. So you go back out, work the can, and then you're, you're you're done. I mean, your body's by that time you're starting to heal. But the, it's it's a progression of soreness, basically. Ever since I've done CrossFit, I go to the slopes to snowboard. First day, second day, third day is just the same. I don't feel it. anything because my body is ready for it. Yeah. My, my muscles are always ready for it. Um, my dad was building a, um, a greenhouse once, and he needed like 80 bags of concrete from Home Depot. So me and my brother helped him, and I was doing the majority of um, my dad wasn't doing much and I was bloating a lot faster than my brother who's eight years younger than me. Doesn't CrossFit, although I wish he would. Um, but the next day or day uh, day two, I was out at the house and turns was like, man, is your back hurting? Mine's killing me. I was like, no, I don't, I don't feel anything. I feel fine. You know, But my back is used to doing deadlifts and yeah. cleans yeah. and and wall balls and, and everything. So. It just prepares your body for whatever life is going to throw yeah. at you.
0: Yeah. I, I think it's it's called a uh, it's called a lot of hell, and people are like. You get injured, well, shit happens if you don't have proper form or if you're lifting yeah. too much. If you go in there and RX is 185 yeah. and you think you can do 185, but you haven't been doing anything, you know, whatever exercise it is, you know, yeah. deadlift or whether it be, you know, squat clean or you push need to jerk be smart or whatever. About it.
1: You need to have a good coach who can help you scale, and you need yeah. to leave your ego at the door. Yeah. If you go in there and say, oh, RX is 135-pound cleans like yesterday. Mm-hmm. I told you I did the female RX. Yeah. The male RX was 135 ten hang cleans, ten rep, ten rounds, okay. and I said, Oof. you know, I, I'm a very good Olympic lifter. I could clean yeah. uh, 135 hang clean, 135 ten times for ten rounds, mm-hmm. but I don't want to, and and it would be more stressful. I'm more likely to hurt my shoulder. I'm recovering from a little bit of a shoulder tweak from last year um, in the open and i don't want to so i dropped down to 95 no shame you know it's a good workout i was able to move faster um less risk of injury and it really gave me a good workout
0: well i love the um i love the comparability and it basically like so my wife and i do it together but she i used to fight mma and train to do fight and combat sports for a long time and so did she and we've moved to this now but i love it the fact that it's um it's a It's a single sport, right? It's not. It's not a team sport, but at the same time, you're all in there working together. So it's 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 like yeah yeah. So it's fun because you have you. It's a challenge. You can go in there and actually be competitive, but at the same time, you you, like you said, you leave the ego at the door because there's always going to be someone better, stronger, or faster than you. But you learn from each other. Mm -hmm. You develop. You evolve. You get better, and it's very much similar to the mixed martial arts game that I you know I say found my athletic compassion in. You know what I mean. and I I moved to this now but I love it and I just I just call it functional fitness when people want to argue with that it's like functional fitness don't call it crossfit who cares I don't care what you call it but you use your entire damn body like every every morning I wake up something different sore on me I'm like That's my tricep, but no, really, it's inside, under, closer to my bone. I don't know what's going on right there, but hey, I used that yesterday, and I haven't used it before, you know?
1: But if you were to next week be presented with some emergency situation where you had to help rescue someone and... do something physical you're not going to tear your tricep because your tricep's ready you know you hear all the time people getting hurt injured doing things that they don't you know uh, things that they're not used to but it's very simple simple like the most the most prone to that are prior athletes who you know in their 40s and 50s say oh i can still still run with the best of them and they they tear their hamstring oh i did that
0: shit hey go so we we had a week we had a weekend uh it's a few months back and i was just now getting back into crossfit and um we did a track exercise my wife and i did because we i couldn't we were down south and there wasn't a gym around so it was like we'll just do a track exercise mm-hmm. well, we sprinted and i was like "Shit, i'll smoke her ass and i got on that last uh 100 we were doing like 100 100 meter sprints and we were cycling out and um dude i i swear i almost ripped my hamstring like we had to i had to like kitchen knife it out, yeah. basically, yeah. And scrape it out. <laughs> and if, you're, if your muscles yeah, you're right. aren't used to, and you're your right. tendons
1: more importantly, yeah. if your muscles and tendons aren't used to the work on a regular basis, stressing them on a one time, rare occasion is going to put them prone to injury. Yeah. And a thing that happened to me last year, as uh, I was wakeboarding out on the Red River with, with Ken, and I came down a little bit wrong and I felt a tweak in my hamstring, If I had not been a CrossFitter, no doubt in my mind that would have resulted in a horrible tear. But my muscle and ligaments were strong enough to prevent that massive injury Mm -hmm. and to just tweak it. And that's the way all of my injuries are now is I get tweaks, which is normal. I mean, anybody who's working out, you're going to get tweaks. It's not... You know, but if you get in there and you haven't worked out in a while, and you try to do snatch at 135 pounds, yeah, man, you're going to tear your rotator cuff. Yeah, yeah. You got it. Your rotator cuff's going to take a long time to get repaired, mm-hmm. to get prepared. That type of work, and it, just don't rush into it. Stay light. Use just the PVC pipe if you want. If that's all you want to do, well, don't, great. don't just, use weight at yeah, all. To
0: figure out your mobility, figure My out. My seventy-six-year-old
1: mom crossfits. Really, that's yeah. awesome. Man. I got her into crossfit. Hell yeah! She's using. She's so cute because she has like a little little kettlebell that weighs six pounds, and she has this a, a, a little four-pound <laughs> hey, weight. Something, though. She's moving her body exactly, and, and you can't tell me that that's not more healthy for her than sitting on the couch, so she doesn't get hurt. No oh, shit. That that's what's hurting America is sitting on the couch. It's the cost of not working out. We are, we are in this
0: huge, uh, we, we're already going, we're going through a pandemic or on the tail end of it. We're in a huge pandemic of being unhealthy. That's we what We have it been does. for 50 years. That's what I tell everybody. This is a pandemic of metabolic health. No shit.
1: It's not COVID. It's yeah. not the virus. This is a, this in is my opinion, of, for a healthy person, this is a cold virus. Yeah. And I have not had one physician who I've discussed this with, who's been able to show me an actual case of an actual healthy person. Oh, but there was a 50-year-old guy in here who died. Well, what's his lab that, Oh, well, he weighed 300 pounds. Yep. Okay, show me a healthy person again. And people don't understand that just because you're, you're 40, 50, 60, whatever, and have never been to the doctor or not on any medications, that's that does not mean, mean, mean you're, you're healthy.
0: healthy. This means you're not It means you haven't not discovered why <laughs> yeah, you're not exactly.
1: You know, the people who are dying from this disease are, are metabolically mm-hmm. um, unhealthy, almost... I mean, I haven't found one yet. I went to, I go to Indiana to work in the hospital and I pulled up 20. It's all on my Instagram. Thing. I pulled up 20 patients and I go through one. I'm, I, I, I joked on that. I'm looking for that healthy COVID patient, Right. diabetes, heart disease, you know, obesity. It's, it's just not, they're not there. Nobody healthy is, is dying for, and I've got a dear friend who's. Uh, wife is godfather of my child whose brother tragically died from it and oh he was healthy he wasn't on any meds and i was like i bet you he was metabolically unhealthy i bet you he was yeah. insulin resistant well i mean and just didn't know it there's so
0: many people that aren't diagnosed because they haven't they have uh, the so many just like how many people catch cancer yeah. at the tail end yeah. and they're stage four and they die within yeah you know three months of catching it yeah. because They've been saying they oh something's wrong, but I'm not going to the doctor for, for fucking two years. Yeah. You know, like a lot of you times. You and
1: me, I, I would not have any reservations whatsoever of a COVID positive patient coming in here and coughing in this room.
0: Yeah, I would not either.
1: We would have no problem for it. Yeah. We might get a little cough, a little yeah. sniffly nose, and and go on with our lives. And, now and... I I had it uh, very early on. I lost my taste and smell. That's okay. the only way I know I had it. I have not been tested for antibodies
0: or I'm not sure if I've had it no one I haven't discussed this on the show but fuck it I will I'm not sure if I've had it at all I know I've been around people that's had it Um, I, I know that You know, I have not been tested nor have I been vaccinated. I don't have any qualms or disagreements. I'm not gonna argue with anybody about it. I know I felt fine. I've been around people who've had it. I've still felt fine. I haven't lost my taste or smell. Maybe if I did have it, it disguised itself as a sinus infection, but I have those. Probably you have, and there's a lot of
1: people who have innate immunity. Yeah. And for whatever reason, your body produces antibodies. You may have been exposed to a similar cold. You know, coronavirus is a cold virus. That's where it comes from. All cold viruses are coronaviruses. I believe this one's been modified. You know, people can argue that. No, I mean, I... But I think there's plenty of evidence to show it's been modified and was released out of that lab, either accidentally or on purpose. But, you know, it's at base a cold virus. So it does what cold viruses do. It it goes around a lot. I mean, we all know cold spread easily. Mm -hmm. If If you're around someone with a cold and you touch your nose, you're going to get it. Of course it does. But this one has a particular that spike protein is very inflammatory it's we know that it causes all the inflammation in the endovascular system it's uh, a lot of covid patients are having heart attacks and strokes and clotting disorders after the vaccine started being released when because it's just spike protein which is the inflammatory c- component of the virus right um one of the hospitals in town almost ran out of the anti-clotting agent because so many people were coming in with clots after the vaccine you know people don't want to discuss this because everybody's supposed to get vaccinated. Right. But the 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 fact of the matter is, is if you're healthy, you don't have to worry about this. Yeah, if anybody's sense. out there afraid of the virus, just get healthy, eat a whole
0: foods, species appropriate diet and exercise. Oh, that's another thing. don't hide and not expose yourself to sunlight and the natural vitamin D yeah. <laughs> they're things that we need, you know, don't be deficient. But yeah. I think, you know, to everyone who wants to argue, like, you know, everyone wants to be wear a mask and be cautious. That's fine. But a lot of times those people that are scared shitless are the ones that are unhealthy. Like, even subconsciously, exactly. these people I've ran into that talk about it, they're scared, so scared of it. It's the ones that are unhealthy. They know that they're unhealthy, but they're not doing anything about being unhealthy. That's the bigger fucking problem here. Yeah. It's not the virus. It's not politics. It doesn't matter about that. Yeah. Our fucking country is unhealthy, and we need to do something about it. That's right. That's, what's,
1: that's what this virus has exposed, is yeah. the utter horrible state of our overall health and you know like you said even the doctors that i get into discussions with about this virus most of the ones who are really scared of it are unhealthy yeah they got the big gut Mm -hmm. and you can tell that they they're probably either diabetic or insulin resistant on their way to full-blown diabetes well
0: to talk about (coughs) something medic something else that's you know medically relative here let's talk about a little bit of your profession before we wrap up um urology wise like um specifically prostate Issues, prostate cancer, and erectile dysfunction because those are huge problems in the um, you know male population that are sometimes people are just embarrassed to discuss. Yeah.
1: Well, the first thing I'll say about BPH or benign prostatic hyperplasia is it's it's an overgrowth of the normal tissue of the prostate. The prostate is a sexual function origin. It produces PSA, mm-hmm. prostate specific antigen. It's its only purpose on life is to produce that that material which liquefies the semen. So when you ejaculate it, it comes out as a coagulum. Mm-hmm. So it can be deposited where it's supposed to go in one clump. But if, as it sits in a cup and Fortunately for everybody else, not everybody, in my profession, I have to occasionally let it sit to examine <laughs> It liquefies. It's not something that's pleasant, but it's yeah. part of the job. It, it, it becomes like water, and the reason it becomes like water is because of PSA. PSA uh, is an enzyme, protein enzyme, that breaks down the, the, the bonds in the coagulum, and it, and it liquefies it so the semen can swim out and go where they're supposed to go. Okay. So that's the only reason it's in the body is to produce PSA. By design, uh, I wasn't consulted in the design process. <laughs> the, the urethra goes right through the center of the organ, unfortunately. Okay. Because um, the on is at puberty with, with um, testosterone production, the organ starts growing from about the size of a little grape to the size of a walnut normally, and the urethra is right through the center of it. There's no off switch, so... As we age, the prostate continues to grow under the stimulation of testosterone's byproduct, dihydrotestosterone, and that causes the prostate to, throughout our lives, continually grow. Now, about 70% of men, because of that gross pro- process in their lifetime, will experience some slowing of the urinary stream. Um, that slowing is because it's compressive on the urethra. Your bladder, I like to say, is a lazy organ. So it likes to fill easy and empty easy under low pressure. And if you have a low pressure system filled with water that you want to empty, you want the outlet to be big because as it empties, it's gonna empty under low pressure. If you squeeze that outlet because of BPH, what's gonna happen to the bladder? It's not gonna empty as easy. So it's gonna have to work. And what happens to any muscle when you work it? It grows. It grows. So your bladder goes from being a thin thin sac, compliant, happy, low pressure system to being a thick, hypertrophied, angry, strong bladder because it's got to push harder to get that urine out of your bladder, right? So it's not the actual prostate being big that's the problem, it's the bladder's response to it. Okay. So that's what brings men into my office. Okay. Men in their 20s, 30s, 40s, 50s in a progressive basis often notice their stream gets slower and slower, but they don't notice any other symptoms because their bladder just gets stronger and stronger. It's only in the late stage when that bladder is really strong and thick and non-compliant that they start wetting their pants. They can't hold the urine as long. They start realizing they used to be able to drive to Dallas. Now they have to stop in Longview. Yeah. They wake up at night because their bladder can't hold the pee as much. By the time it gets to that stage, it's hard for me to fix it right? because the damage is already done to the bladder. I can't dehypertrophy the bladder. All I can do at that point is open the outlet and take the pressure off the bladder, hoping. And about 70% of the time, it will get better. But my goal and my wish for anybody out there listening is to recognize the symptom early and then go see a doctor to do something about it earlier. Um, I have no qualms about telling people I've been on a on a bladder relaxing medicine, an alpha blocker, an outlet relaxing medicine since I was 35. Because in in the in the process of my training, I realized my strain was getting weaker, and I started and it relaxes the bladder outlet it's flow max is the most commonly uh, right. known yeah. one out there it, it relaxes the outlet and allows the flow to be stronger and keeps a happy bladder that's the goal is to keep your bladder happy because once your bladder gets unhappy it's hard to correct so that's the thing is is don't ignore the slow stream thinking oh who cares it just takes me a minute and a half to pee rather than 30 seconds right you, know, you can't pee over a fence anymore but who cares your bladder cares and over those years, it's going to care more and more, and then you're going to be in...
0: Well, you, this is a very um, kind of casual approach to this, but you notice this, and you go into a urinal, the men's bathroom, and you sit there, and if you have a healthy bladder, you immediately pee, yep. you're done, yeah, yeah. and that person is just now starting to pee. And then you see that old man
1: st- with his yeah. hand on the wall, standing yeah. with his yeah. whole thing in the urinal, just yeah. standing there for two minutes. Yeah. He, he's in the end stages, right. and he should have come and sought help a lot sooner. It's one of those things. So the other issue, cancer, I think it's all related. Um, I think cancer is a metabolic disease, not a, a DNA disease. There's a great uh, book, Cancer as a Metabolic Disease. There's also a PDF you can search for online if you want a great read about um, particular things about cancer that I don't think we discuss enough. But it's metabolic dysfunction and inflammation we know predisposes you to cancer. And as that process is occurring, the BPH process, and the the bladder's getting more unhappy, and the prostate's getting big, and people are getting metabolically unhealthy, mm-hmm. and are more prone to infections and prostatitis. That inflammation and infection um, and overgrowth in the prostate sets up the perfect milieu for cancer. Uh, constant chronic inflammation is perfect form for cancer whether it be sun exposure or whether it be cigarette smoke or whether it be carcinogens you're eating or getting splashed in your on your body as a, working with chemicals yeah. chronic inflammation leads to cancer and that chronic inflammation in the prostate i think is why prostate cancer is so prevalent 70 percent of men in their lifetime will get prostate cancer i don't think it's a coincidence that 70 percent of them also have Lifelong BPH you're right. So um, the thing about that is get your PSA checked. I, I don't listen to the To the National governing boards, they're making decisions based on cost-effectiveness for society if you want to if you want to let someone base your decisions on life years and, and you know whether or not you should get your screening based on society life years and in value then so be it i recommend that everybody should get their psa checked at least once in their 40s because you're going to catch some men who have high psa's and already have cancer at that point if your psa is under one in your 40s you're good you can wait until you know depending on when it's drawn you can wait a few years later get it checked again at 50. if you're still one or so you don't need it checked every year Uh, but keep track of it don't just ignore it Um, one of my best friends got diagnosed at age 48 and if he hadn't got diagnosed at age 58 he would have been incurable right. and you know some of the current recommendations are not even to check PSA a while a couple of years back they were recommending not checking PSA because it was on a value basis for society not worth the ones we were saving the cost of the screening but um, you know, get it checked once early then every year or two or three or five depending on what it is and it's the trend that matters if it's going up fast we need to make sure it's not cancer if it's stable or slow then you're good so that's my basic cancer talk and the other thing is ed yeah and again it's related to health okay ed is nothing more than a vascular problem okay Um, the the erections require inflow. It's like a bathtub. You've got an inflow and an outflow. The outflow is fixed. The venous drainage is fixed. It can't get any larger, but you can turn the faucet on faster. And if you turn a faucet on a bathtub fast enough, it will fill up despite the drainage, right? The drainage is still happening, but you're overfilling it. Right. So that's what happens when you get stimulated. There's chemicals in your body under nerve stimulation that cause those blood vessels, those arteries, to dilate to bring more blood flow into the penis faster than it can drain out when you get sick through diabetes cigarette smoke or hypertension which are the three most common causes of vascular disease your vessels are less compliant they don't dilate as easily they become more constricted um, your your nerves don't work as well because of nerve damage from, from metabolic dysfunction and diabetes and so you don't have that inflow valve anymore to turn it up faster. And that's where the Viagra, Cialis, all that comes into play. It causes the hormone that causes the dilation to hang around longer, nitric oxide. So uh, they affect nitric oxide synthase, which is the hormone that makes nitric oxide. It it stops the degradation of nitric oxide, allows it to hang around a little longer, gives a little bit more stimulation to the vessels for them to dilate. So that's how those medicines work. Um, you can
0: avoid getting that by staying healthy. Yeah, I mean it all goes down to that. It all comes down to it all comes down to being We started about talking talking about that. I mean it all comes back and to it. Because it's, it's,
1: you, you said early on, you know, it's great you found your passion in urology. Yeah, I've actually found my passion through urology, and my passion is health and how everything is related. Everything I see every day, whether men come in with, there was a, a young man, 29 years old today, came into my office wanting to have his testosterone checked because he was tired at the end of the day and just didn't feel like he had energy. Mm -hmm. And he was sitting there with about 30 extra pounds in his gut. Mm -hmm. He didn't sleep a regular amount of time. He didn't work out. He admitted to me that his diet was crap. And you know that's why you are feeling bad. It's not, hey, here's this pill well, that will another, fix you. That's another, another
0: whole ordeal, and I'm sure we got a couple more minutes. Here, so we'll talk about. It. I'm sure you've seen this, especially in the CrossFit world, and you know any any in your industry too. Like you know. <sighs> prescribing testosterone to someone too early because of poor health habits and and thinking that's going to be a long-term solution it's not it's gonna it's gonna just you're strapping
1: them you're strapping a ball and chain around them forever this because once you start giving exogenous testosterone your own testicles are gonna quit making it yeah and at some point the longer you stay on it there they may not recover their innate ability so you could get healthy 15 years later and try to stop the testosterone and you may be out of luck I would much rather people address their underlying cause than don't think that doctors can fix you with a prescription. You can fix yourself with healthy eating habits and, and exercise. The, the, I call it the sick care system. It's not yeah. the health care system anymore. It's doctors are produced to manage sickness with prescriptions. They're not being taught how to prevent sickness through nutrition and exercise. And it, it, our health, our health could be so much better if we would devote one tenth, one one hundredth of the money and, and time and effort into teaching people how to eat healthy and exercise and stopping all of this horrible food we're eating. As as we're spending, I mean, Obamacare was supposed to fix everything, right? Yeah. It's yeah. supposed to save us money. Where are we? Yeah. You know, it's been ten years now, and. Uh, we're still on this trajectory of, of being broke from health care expenditure within the next 10, 15. Medicare is going to be broke within the next 10 years, Yeah, but say. I mean, we're,
0: we're taught all we need it, we pay for it, and yeah. um, 80% of the people do because they're putting horrible things in their body every day. 70%
1: of our, of our diseases are caused by our own actions. and if we can, believe it. And if we can get healthy as a society, and you go to societies where they are healthy, their health care dollar expenses are a lot less. Yeah. And, um it, America's just I mean it I, I'm not going to tell you you can't eat your donut but don't want don't expect me to pay for your heart attack and, and stint with my tax dollars later when you get it
0: yeah
1: and, and say it's my responsibility to for it right now right yeah, I mean it's, it's just, it's just going to get worse it's yeah. the movie um what was that that um Wally. Wally. do you remember Wally all those people driving around in their little Little scooters, the uh, okay. bees drinking their sodas. Yeah. <laughs> That's America now. That's yeah, America. You're right, now. And, you're right. And, and we're headed that way, unfortunately.
0: Well, I, I think it's I think it's good that um, you are, you know, part of the movement for the health. You know, not only just you know, as most doctors, charging just, the windmills. Yeah, <laughs> just most doctors <laughs> just prescribing out out stuff, on you know. Yeah. And you're actually giving people valuable information, not just sitting there writing a prescription. I try
1: through every patient that comes through my office gets the nutrition sheet mm-hmm. and I yeah. talk about being active exercising and eating whole natural foods and that's that's the answer it's not me prescribing a medicine or performing a procedure on them well yeah
0: any last words man i think we've summed up a lot today
1: no i think that's good had a good discussion awesome man
0: well everyone please subscribe to the podcast thank you tom good to see
1: you appreciate it